powerful truth. Whatever you need, wherever you are in, in your walk of faith, or walking to faith, whatever you're lacking, whatever you need, I need, we need, the Word of God says, the name of the Lord is I am. The Gospel of John, fourth chapter, Jesus is dealing with a woman at the well. The disciples come back and he says, they said, give him, Rabbi, take something to eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Just before that, the woman had come to the well looking for water. And he said, I've got water to drink. You've never tasted. He was trying to show them that whatever they needed, he was. And he is. And the beautiful thing is, in that day and time, he was being revealed. He was being made known. But to us today, he is known fully. Everything I need is wrapped up in who he is as my way maker. That's his promise. If you and I will just come to him, we'll find in him every single thing that we need. Let's pray. Father, God, I come before you this morning and Lord, my heart is full. I, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your reminder. I thank you for, Lord, just being able to lift uh, in song the truths of principle that make up what we know as the Bible, the Word of God. I ask you this morning, Father, to, to take everything I have for you. Lord, to make up the difference. To use your word as true because it is. To speak your truth into our lives because you do. God, speak to my heart this morning. Even as you use me as an instrument in your hands for your glory. We pray that this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be back with you this morning. I appreciate so much being away the last three weeks. I appreciate Stephen and Aaron and Ryan being able to fill in and uh, share. And, and I have so much to say to you today uh, that I'm not going to say at all. Okay, that's a promise. I uh, did a lot of reading while I was uh, on sabbatical and, and just uh, Lord really, really gave me, uh, I hope, a good word for you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, the 13th chapter. We're going to look this morning at the why of missions. And, uh, but as we do that, I want to kind of put it into context because for so many of us, missions is that thing that we honestly and truth pray that God never call us to. Okay? Uh, I, I can tell you when, when I surrendered to the ministry and I went to seminary and was started in school when I met Laurie and, and we got married. And, and uh, one of those things that she asked me was, do you ever see yourself on the mission field? And I said, no. And she said, good. Uh, 
I'll follow you anywhere as long as it's in the continental United States. And she said, I would prefer it to be in the southern part, like Texas. <laughs> and, uh, and I will tell you there are parts of Texas that are a mission field. We're going to look at that here in just a minute and, and talk about that. But, but the reason for that, the reason that we have that idea is because of this word. And we hear Jesus say this word in Scripture, unless... Do you have something in your life right now that you wish you knew how it was going to turn out? A business? A relationship? Maybe this service, you wonder how it's going to end. Some of you are just hoping it does. We, we, we all wonder about the end. What's it going to look like? I want to know the end. If I know the end, then it'll help me deal with where I am now and we, we want to be all in for Christ, but there's that word, unless. You know, unless you give all that you have to the poor, and follow me, you have no place with me. Unless you die to yourself daily, and follow me, no place. Uh, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, no place. And we, we hear those words, and those words, unless... Keep us from selling out in a good way. Being all in. And in fact, even a lot of times I believe when, when I come to worship, I, I, I don't even give all in worship. And I'm not just talking about the singing. Because worship is a lifestyle. And if I get up on Monday morning and I'm all in in my worship for God, there's no telling. He might give me an unless. I want to know how that's going to work out. Some of you came in here this morning, and man, you could be hanging on by your last, last thread. You, you're thinking, man, if, God, if you don't show up in my marriage, it may not make it to the end of the day. And I'm afraid, God, to go all in because you might say, unless, unless what? There's some of you here this morning, and the honest truth is, you're just hoping to make it to the end of the day. We struggle. It's true. Laurie and I have our own unlessers in life. We, we, don't, we want to know the end. How is this all going to look? And, and we can kind of know the general end. It's going to end up in God's hands. We get that. But, but God, if you could just give me a post-it note this morning for what it's going to look like at 5 o'clock today, I would be a, 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 just, just greatly appreciated. And that's a normal thing. See, the Word of God tells us in Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon, the wisest man in all of Scripture, wrote that God has put eternity in our hearts so that we could know the end. And then he says in the last part of the verse, but he's made it where we can't. It's normal for us to want to know how is this going to work out. But he says, I put it in your heart to want to know, but you can't know. But we spend all our time pursuing the things that we can't know instead of pursuing the one that we can and that brings us to the unless. And, and so it's right in the middle of our life, right in the middle of, of that struggle in everything that we do that, that Jesus speaks into our frame of reference. He shows up and, and there's this tremendous transition in, in life and thinking. And in and, and John, John records in the, the 17th chapter what we know as the high priestly prayer. 
And in John 17, verse 1, Jesus says, The hour has come. My unless is here. The hour has come. Glorify. He's praying to the Father. He's praying to the Father on our behalf. Glorify your Son. That He may glorify you. And then He gives us the why. Because you have given Him authority over all flesh. Why? Why did God give the Son authority over all flesh? Jesus says, so that He can give eternal life. You gave authority to the Son so that He can give eternal life to all those that you've given Him. So we can know the end. And Jesus tells us what that end looks like in John 10.10. I have come, He says, that you might have life and have this life more abundantly. Not just an out there life, but a right here today and now. And honest truth is most of us believers, we, we don't get there. And it's because we're worried about the unless. Paul writes in Galatians 5, what we know is the fruit of the Spirit. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That, that's what I can know now. I can know that now. How? Because Jesus completes verse 3 of John 17 by saying, and this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. See, what the Word of God is trying to tell us is, is the more I spend trying, time trying to get to know Him, the less I worry about the how. It, it, I, I, I want to know the how because God put it in my heart, but I can't. So what he says is, in the midst of your how, just get to know me. And if you'll get to know me and know who I am, you worry less about the how. That's what prompted David, a man after God's own heart, to write in Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. Those who get to know you don't worry about the how. And they put their trust in you. And they put their trust in you because they know, oh Lord, you have never forsaken those who seek you. So how does that tie in to missions? How does selling out in a good way to who God is. How does that help us understand? Well, if you have your Bibles open there to uh, the book of Acts, the 13th chapter, if you would please stand with me this morning as we honor God's Word as we read it together. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called to them. 
Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. You may be seated, and may God bless his word this morning as we study it together. So how does this tie in? How does knowing him help me not worry about the unless? The church at this point in time in Acts is transitioning. It's moving from Jerusalem where Peter has been the lead focus in all that is going on. And it's transitioning to Antioch. And now Paul is going to step to the front as as the forerunner. So in the midst of this transition, God begins to do an additional work. God is always working. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't know it. He's always in the process of working. And what he teaches us are three really quick things about what it means for you and I to be engaged in missions. Okay, and, and I want, I want to, to broaden your definition of missions because we hear missions and we think that's something that's overseas. Well, there, there's some things that this passage teaches us about how we begin the work of missions. And the first thing that, that you see there is that worshiping is a part. Notice what it says in the first part of of verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So if, if I'm going to understand what it means to be on mission, I have to understand the purpose of worship. So they were there, and there are a couple of things that are going on. There are prophets and teachers. So there are men and, and women in the church who are foretelling, I mean, foretelling uh, the, the Word of God. They're preaching, basically. Foretelling, we think of prophets as somebody who foretold, hey, this is going to happen. But pretty much all through Scripture, even in the Old Testament, what they were doing is they were telling the Word of God to the people, and they were giving them a warning that this is what God says, and if you and I don't engage in what God says then there's some things that are going to happen. And so the prophets were preaching the word of God, and then they were teaching. So as they preached the word of God, people were getting saved, and lives were getting changed, and marriages were getting restored. The unlesses were getting filled in. And so to, to help with that, there were people who were teaching. And basically they were taking these new disciples, and they were grounding them into the faith. They were making sure that they understood. That's why the small group ministry of a church is so important. Because it takes us where we are and it connects to us the doctrines and the understandings and the teachings of the faith. And it says that this happened while they were worshiping. So we kind of get the idea because we see two words in there, praying and fasting. We think, well, that's for the guys that are, that's for the people that have PhDs in discipleship. Okay. They were, no, it was, it's not that word. In fact, the word for worship used here is the word for, we get our word, liturgy. In other words, a select order of things that take place. So while the normal everyday stuff of the church was going on, they were really engaged. They had the right attitude. They had the right heart. They were were just doing the normal stuff. This wasn't some Pentecostal moment, okay? This wasn't like Pentecost where the Holy Spirit descended and Flames of of fire went out and touched people and they saw it and they were speaking in tongues and all that stuff that was going on. And by the way, tongues there was known tongues. 
Everybody heard the gospel. It was so that the gospel went in a hurry. Everybody heard the gospel in their own language. But that wasn't what this was. This was just a normal church service. It was just a normal day. They were going through the liturgy, the normal stuff, with the right heart and the right attitude, and God showed up. What's it tell me? It tells me that in your normal, God wants to show up. God wants you and I to be all in on just the normal stuff. And if we'll be all in as an act of worship to him, he shows up in our normal. He's there. We think that God shows up in the the extraordinary. Hey, newsflash, when you walk out of here, do you know where God goes with you? We, We come to church and we pray, Lord, show up. He did the minute you walked in the door. If you're here and you're a believer, the word of God says that the Holy Spirit has indwelt you. Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you. God's there. What you and I need is to awaken to the fact that God is with us and that God is here, that he is present. I need to become more aware of God's presence in my normal. And the way I become aware of his presence in my normal is to be all in. They were fasting. They were truly seeking after the things that God wanted to do in their life. So worship, really saying, God, I worship you is a part. The second part is that we also see there that that the sentness of God is a heart. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, it says, set apart for me, or the last part of verse 2, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The church releases them with a blessing. They send them out. Why did they send them out? Because it is the heart of the Father. Go back to the high priestly prayer, John 17, 3. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. John 5, 20. 5, 20, 5, 21. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. You see, it's the heart of the Father to send. And that isn't something that changed with the end of the New Testament. In fact, if you're here this morning and you have a relationship to Christ, it's because God sent somebody to you. He he sent a preacher. He sent a Sunday school teacher. He sent a vacation Bible school worker. He he sent an evangelist. He sent a friend. He sent a mom, a dad. He sent a grandma. He sent somebody into your life to tell you about who Jesus is, to read you the Bible, to pray for you, and to pray over you. The sentness of God hadn't changed. He's still in the business of sending. He's still in the business of of wanting you and I to invest in the next generation. And and sometimes the sentness of God can be 40 steps. Last week I went to a mission field. 40 steps from the front of the stage right here to the children's ministry. It's a mission field. It is a whole different culture. (laughs) They speak a whole different language. Okay? Okay? But I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest blessings of my life. I got to sit with a bunch of first graders in the first hour. And I got to tell them the story that I have told and and preached through and read through a hundred times about Deborah the judge. But then something beautiful happened. One of those kids asked me a question about faith. 
And I got to sit down with 16 first graders, and I got to explain to them what faith is. And I, I just used a chair. I said, when you walked in, did you grab the chair, check it out, make sure the nuts and bolts were tight, the plastic one broke before you sat down? Nope. What would you do? I sat down. Faith. That's faith. I don't have to check it out. I just trust that God said it, and it's good. I got to go work in the second hour, third and fourth graders. I got to do the same thing with them. I got to tell them about faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for them that God will speak to their heart. Guys, especially guys, men, we need some of you to go to a mission field that's 40 steps from the front of the stage. Maybe, maybe it's going with us to St. Benedict's on a Tuesday night when we serve. And sitting with people in Lubbock, Texas who are homeless and have no hope. And just going and serving a meal for them and with them and just sitting down and talking to them, engaging them, looking them in the eye, saying with our presence and saying with our face and, and our actions, you have worth and value to the God of the ages. Maybe it's actually going on a mission trip. We've got four or five coming up this summer. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's working in vacation Bible school. Maybe it's giving. Maybe you can't physically go, but you can give so that somebody else can. Here's the deal. The sentness of God hadn't changed. He still asked for you and I to be engaged in the missional purpose of the church, which was, as I have been sent so I am sending you. God wants us to understand the sentness. And it's going to look different for you than it does for me. And it's going to look different for the person sitting next to you than it does for someone else. But here's the deal. It is a continuous thing. Keep on sending. And then the third thing that the passage shows us here is that, is that not only is it to worship, that, that I'm all in, saying, Lord, I don't care. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to come and I'm going to worship you today, all in. I don't care what you say. I'm not going to worry about the unless. Even if the unless means I get sent. Even if the unless means that I have to go do something outside my norm. And, and the reason for that is the third part. And that is that assistance and going is a part. Look at verse 6. I'm sorry, verse, verse 5. says, When they had arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they, had, and they had John to assist them. So, assistance, John to assist them. Okay, God said, set apart Barnabas and Saul. John's there. Who's John? John is the cousin of Barnabas. How do we know that? Uh, go look in Colossians. Okay, uh, in, in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it talks about John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, a relative cousin of Barnabas. I think it uses the word relative. So they take John Mark. John Mark wasn't part of the sending, but John Mark goes, and it says he's a minister. The actual word, he assists them. It means that he ministers to Barnabas and Saul while they minister the gospel to other people. He goes and he learns. Where does God send us? I don't know where God's going to send you, but I'm telling you the first place God sends you is right where you are. See, we think missions means I go somewhere else. Nope. Barnabas and Saul went to Barnabas' hometown. Barnabas was from Cyprus. This first missionary journey sent out from, 
from, from this place where they're gathering together to worship goes to a place that Barnabas is familiar with. They go to his hometown, to his home region. How do we know that? Look in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, it tells us that Barnabas was from Cyprus. And so your first level of sentness is right where you are. It's your kids. It's your grandkids. It's your neighbors. It's your co-workers. It's 40 feet from here. Or 400, not 40 feet, 40 steps, sorry. Or 400 feet from here, back there in that student building. It's taking the time to to say, you know what, I'm going to come out of class once a month. I'm going to give of my time. Why? Especially men. Why? Because we have a generation of kids who are being raised without men in the home. And they need to know what it is to have a godly man who will stand in front of them. So that's basically the why of missions. It comes out of worship. It's because the heart of the Father is to send. And as he sends us, he sends us to be an assistant. So being a part, going and taking others with us, all of that is a part of it. Now I want to finish this real quick. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Now we all know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That verse has been so misquoted and so taken out of context so many times. You know, an athlete walks up to a bar getting ready to deadlift 600 pounds, and in his head he's going, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is not the context. There's some of you as husbands and wives, you're... Your, your marriage has been on the rocks, or you, you've had a moment, a time, a place, raising a kid, pulling your hair out. You, you just, you, you know, let me tell you, don't, don't take the life of your children, okay? Grandchildren are God's reward for not doing that, okay? I'm just telling you, okay? So, so don't, you know, but, but you've had that moment in your life where you're just like, I can't do this. I, uh, you know, I, I can't put up with my, my wife one more time. I can't put up with my husband one more time. I can't put up with my boss one more time. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's not what that verse means okay it means Paul saying I've learned the secret of being content but around verse 13 there's a couple other things that he teaches us that deal with missions in verse 10 he writes and says and remember he's writing this from jail he's in prison I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I know in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Three real quick things about assistance. First of all, Paul says, you've revived your concern. He goes through the next few verses and he talks about the fact that 
the, the church here in Philippi had, when he first went to Macedonia, they gave. And then when he was in Thessalonica, they gave again. And here he is in Philippi, and he says, you revive your concern. There is an important principle to know right there about your faith. If you and I aren't constantly reviving our concern for the faith, reviving, you can't get from Sunday to Sunday the way God wants you to. Tomorrow morning, you better revive your concern for your faith. Tuesday morning, you better revive your concern for your faith. Tuesday afternoon, you better revive your concern. There is this constant re-upping in our faith that needs to take place. The second thing that Paul says is that they gave, but they didn't give just out of fellowship. They gave out of partnership. See, we hear the word fellowship, and we think that means a potluck after church. Fellowship is a partnership. It is engaging each other to, to, to meet needs and to encourage. And in verse 19, he says, you met a need that I have. And God's going to meet all your needs because you met a need. When you and I engage in partnership with people, reviving our concern, continuing like we've done for, for many years, going back to Slovakia over and over again, reviving our concern, continuing to support, continuing to encourage, God blesses. And then, verse 17, they did it sacrificially. He says, your, your giving, your gift, your assistance, your support was like a fragrant offering. And he's talking about a burnt offering. They gave everything they had. They were all in for him. And they trusted in, in the fact that God was going to take care of them. So missions for you and I means that I first and foremost have to worship God. I have to tell him, God, I'm all in. I want to be all in in worship. I don't want to come and walk through the motions. I want to be all in in, in, in my life tomorrow morning in my faith. I want to be all in for you. God, I want to be all in on the sentness. I want to understand that. You're still sending me. And I want to be all in in the assistance. And that may mean that I have to sacrifice. You know, it may mean for me, for Sean Brewer personally, it may mean that ever so often Stephen or Ryan or somebody else preaches so that I can go work in the children's ministry. So that I can show those kids, number one, that a man loves them and loves God. And I can be a man's man and love God. And if you don't think I'm a man's man, I'll meet you on the 50-yard line of any football field that there is in, in, in Lubbock County. Okay? And you may whip my tail, but you're going to know you've been in a fight. And we'll shake hands and walk off the field after that, and I'll stay out there as long as my knees will let me. Okay? You ain't got to be a sissy to be in the faith. In fact, you can't be a sissy and be in the real faith. I would say that. We need men to be men in the lives of young men and women who are growing up. And that may mean that you have to revive your concern. It may mean that you have to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved again. And I give. And when I give, I give sacrificially. My giving becomes an act of worship. It's not just something I do 
at the end of the service. It's not just something that I do online or impersonally, but that I engage, not just in my money, but in my time and my talents. And, and I'm all in in what I do. I'm not safe. I'll give you two quick illustrations. reading. I did a lot of reading while I was on, on sabbatical. And I was reading, and there was a story about this one guy in one of the books I was reading. Uh, I think it was in a book. It may have been something I read on Facebook. I don't know where it was. I just read it. It was a story, okay? And the guy had a dream. He dreamed that he died. When he, he died, he immediately woke up in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, Christ ushered him into heaven. And Jesus looked at him and said, man, there are a lot of people who are here in heaven because of you. And he goes, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you want to meet him? Understand that. These weren't people that this person had engaged with in this life that he knew. Maybe it was a missions offering that he gave to at church. And the missions offering went to a missionary who shared the gospel in another place, another time. Maybe it was a, a kid that he worked with in the nursery or in, in preschool or in college ministry and he shared the gospel and that child or that young adult came to faith and that young adult went on to do something and, and, and contact someone else. Maybe, maybe it was a shoe salesman. D.L. Moody. Greatest evangelist of, of modern time. Was won to the Lord by a shoe salesman. All in. And what God wants to do. Trusting in faith. We just had our college ministry uh, supper for raise at lunch to raise money a couple weeks ago. And we did the auction of the, of the uh, baked goods and the desserts. Last year, Lori made some of her banana pudding. And I can tell you it is absolutely the best banana pudding in the world. How do you know? Look at me. She made her banana pudding, and we were going in, and, and Laurie really has a heart for those college kids, and she wanted to help them go on a mission trip. And as you know, our last couple of years have been a little bit rough. You know, we, she's, had, man, she's had a lot of surgeries. We had just had a surgery. She, uh, we, she had just had a foot surgery. Okay, So we were you know, deductibles and 80% and all that stuff. So funds are a little tight. And for us, the first half of the month is a little tighter than the second half mortgage, all that stuff, you know, the first half. And this was in the first half. I tried to get Aaron to plant in the second half. He didn't put in the first half. And so we're walking in, and Laurie says, I want you to give. I want you to buy some stuff today. I want us to give to the kids. I said, okay, well, good. So we walk in, and they're auctioning off some brownies, and I think the, it was like $25, $26, and I, I bid, and $26, I, you know, I'm good. And she goes, we need to do more. I know how much money's in the checking account. She says, how much money do we have? I tell her. She said, that's what I want to give. No, well, you don't understand. That's what's in the checking account. We can, no, no, that's. So I tried for the next couple of times to buy some of her banana pudding. And every time I tried to buy it, somebody else was trying to take care of me and keep me from buying it, and they would buy it. And I would get the price up to where I thought, and then they'd bid higher, and I'm like, crap, I'm not going to buy that. I can make it cheaper than that. <laughs> then it came to the last bowl of her banana pudding. 
And, and you know what? I just, I, I was tired of not, not getting it. So I just went, $300. Dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. As the words are coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, that's it. That's it. That's all that's in the account until payday. Payday was like a week away. That's it. I got the banana pudding. And then she said, give it back. Tell them to sell it again. <sighs> we gave it back. Sell it again. I, I didn't get any banana pudding. Monday afternoon, get home, get the mail. And there's a check. $300 that I didn't know was coming. Plant. I could hang this up in my office and it could die in a week. If you look at this plant and you hang it up, there's a lot of life up here. But this is called an air fern or plant or something like that. No root. This plant will get as big as this pot will let it get. I can water it. I can put it in sunlight. It'll continue to grow. But it's probably not going to get a whole lot bigger than this because there's a problem. Its roots are bound. It's not all in. Enough said. How does God want you and I to be all in? To bust the pot, put it in the ground, and say, I trust you. All in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all the things that I worry about and all the things that I struggle with, God, I, 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 don't, I don't know how, but I do know you. And what you tell me to do in the midst of life is trust you. And to get to know you more, and the more I get to know you, the less I worry about the how. And so, Father, I pray this morning for those who are here who don't know you. Lord, maybe, maybe they, are, or they are trying, maybe there is a hunger, maybe, maybe they, they've been like I was, they were in church but not saved, they were playing at this thing called faith, but right now, Father, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you, I want you. Christ, you are crying out, I died for you, will you just come? All in. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to hearts for those this morning who need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. I pray for us, Father, this morning, those of us who are here, that, God, we, we, we hold back, and we hold back in, in so many areas of our life because we, we just are afraid you're going to say, unless, oh, God, may, may I get to know you more.
that the more that I know you and the more I know your name, the less I worry about how you're going to fill in that blank. Father, there are some of us here this morning, it's just time to bust the pot. It's time to put it in the ground and say, Lord, I am in, no matter what that means. I'm a believer, but God, I have the the evidence of life, but I want a root in you that will last because you alone, Father, are the vine. Christ, you alone are the one who, who gives me strength and nourishment. I'm all in. Lord, I ask you this morning to add to your kingdom. And Father, if it is your will to add to this place, this part of the body of Christ, that we'll have people who come alongside us and say, I'm in, whatever that means. Father, speak your truth. Move in our heart. Exalt Christ. We pray that this morning in Jesus Christ's most precious name. Amen.